Thank you very much, ladies, for that beautiful song. Have you ever been to a place where no one spoke your language? Isn't that a frustrating experience? I remember getting off the plane one time and was trying to get some information where our baggage was going to be. And I went up to uh, one baggage handler and they didn't speak my language and went up to one desk and you would think that they would speak that. No, no, they didn't speak English. I, went, I ran around that whole airport and trying to find someone who spoke my language, but I couldn't. I was so frustrated and they didn't know what I was talking about. Yes, I was in that foreign country of the Miami International Airport. <laughs> <laughs> there is another language that is getting to be less and less spoken. It's the language of kindness. It's a foreign language in this rude dog-eat-dog -dog world. And even though we, who know Christ as Savior, know better, sometimes we tragically fall into that same kind of rude, unkind behavior. Today we're looking at our third challenge from Scripture about one another, and this is going to take us to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a few verses, 29 to verse 32, and this one another is exhibiting a Christ-like behavior that Paul is challenging us to exhibit, and that is showing kindness to one another, Ephesians 4 verses 29 to 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's the challenge. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. We bow in your presence, Heavenly Father, and we thank you that you constantly challenge us to be like Jesus. And I pray that today as we look at this important fruit of the Spirit of kindness, that you would help us to exhibit that to one another in the family of God, to one another in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were around in the 1980s, and that's probably taken about every one of us here, or a few that might have been born a little bit later, you might remember those huge rectangular square plastic boxes filled with videotape, and they were called VHS tapes. You would put the VHS into your VCR. It's amazing the technology that we have gotten today that made those things obsolete. We've got things like DVDs and Netflix and YouTube and Hulos. No, not Hulos. Uh, Hulu. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Well, the videotapes are archaic now, but remember when you have to go to that place, that big place called Blockbuster Video and rent these things. 
And usually they would come and they had a little sticker on them, on, the, on there. And the sticker simply read, be kind, please. You know what they are. <laughs> you exhibited your kindness because you had to rewind that thing, you know. Uh, the technology was such that you had to just get it back to the start. And a lot of people didn't even bother rewinding them, so you had to do it when you rented their video that was before you. Well, I want to tell you that this idea of showing kindness goes a lot further than that. As we consider the challenge of showing kindness to one another, I'd like us to think of a garden. In order to have kindness growing, we must first of all pull some weeds. And the weeds are listed in Ephesians 4, verse 30 and 31. And these weeds are internal in our own heart because almost all of our unkindness is a result of internal problems. So we need to deal with the problems rather than just trying to be nice on the outside. So let's pull up some of the weeds of unkindness. And the first one that is mentioned here is in verse 30, and it's the weeds of grieving the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer that knows Jesus Christ as Savior. And the grieving of the Spirit that is mentioned here is in the context of our relationships to one another, like being bitter and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice towards other people and forgiving. This is how we can grieve the Spirit. He lives within us, and when the heart is filled with bitterness and anger, the Spirit is grieved, and you can understand that if you've ever been a parent. Try to remember back when you had little kids at home that were fighting over, maybe uh, it wasn't fighting over who had the remote control because we didn't have remote controls back then, you know. They were fighting over a toy or something. Uh, one of them had it first, and the other said, that's my toy. He said, I had it first. No, it's mine. And you begin to get grieved, don't you? Uh, you're upset because the kids are not playing well. Guess what? The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you gets grieved and upset when the kids, God's kids, are not playing together well. He is grieved. He's upset. He's hurt. And we need to pull up that weed of grieving the Holy Spirit who lives in us. There's another weed that is here, and that is called the weed, the weed of bitterness. Bitterness is that settled internal feeling. Anybody ever hurt you? Maybe they lied about you. Maybe they did something nasty. Maybe they said something to you. Maybe they hurt one of your family members, and you've just developed this, man, I don't like that person and you begin to get a bitter attitude towards that. Maybe uh, somebody that uh, took something, and maybe someone that committed a crime against you. And we, we can get into the idea that that has settled into our soul, just like some of you have gotten colds, and sometimes the week or 10 days is over, but you still got that croup way down in your lungs, and you keep on coughing it up. Well, somebody did something to you, and you've got that bitterness that's way deep down in your heart. You've not been able to get over it. Oh, that is a weed. 
If you don't pull up the weed of bitterness, guess what it's going to do? It's going to take root in your soul. It's going to destroy your peace and joy. So pull up the, the, the weed of bitterness. And the next one is wrath. That word means to churn within. Bitterness does lead to wrath, which is an explosion on the outside of the feelings that are on the inside. Another weed is anger, and that's the result of feelings that spill over. Another weed we need to pull is evil speaking. Now, this is kind of the final thing. You know, you got this internal churning, and then you get mad, and then you just let it go. You just let the words come out of your mouth. And that's what the Scripture is challenging us to pull that weed. Get rid of that evil speaking that comes out of your mouth. Ephesians 4.29, the verse before this says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. We need to be careful what comes out of our mouth and watch our tongues. We say things that we shouldn't, and you never know who's listening. There was a man working in the produce department of a grocery store one time, and he was asked by a lady who was coming up to the produce department if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. Half a head of lettuce, he replied. Are you serious? God grows those things in whole heads, and that's how we sell them here at the store. You mean, she persisted, that after all the years I've shopped here, you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce? Look, he said, if you like, I'll go ask the manager. She indicated that she would like him to go to the manager. So the young man marched to the front of the store. You won't believe this, he said to the manager as he got to there. There's a lame-brained idiot of a lady back there who wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. He noticed that the manager was signaling to him, and he turned around and saw the lady standing right behind him, <laughs> obviously following him to the front of the store. And he said, this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half of the head of lettuce, <laughs> concluded. Well, later, <laughs> that's thinking on your feet. Later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet that... I have ever heard. Where did you learn that? Well, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know that it's known for its great hockey teams and its ugly women. The manager's face flushed and he interrupted, my wife is from Grand Rapids. <laughs> and which hockey team did she play on? <laughs> Boy, I tell you, we can really get in trouble with our words, can't we? I got in trouble in the first service by saying something with Grand Rapids or whatever. <laughs> you know, we all, we all have to be careful with what comes out of our mouth. We need to set a watch and pull up that weed of evil speaking and saying things that might hurt and, and cut other people. Well, if we're going to get a handle on this, being kind to one another, we need to plant some good seeds. Plant the seeds of kindness. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 
says similarly in chapter 3, verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Have you ever been to the History Park just a couple blocks over here? As they have the Sunday flea market. They also have something else over there. They have a community garden. And if you go in there, they have these wooden plots. You can uh, rent for uh, maybe a, a season one of those boxes or half of the boxes, maybe about 20 feet long and three or four feet wide. And they're in boxes about this high, and you plant the seeds in your own plot. Well, we, if we're going to plant the seeds of kindness, need to understand where's our garden, where's our plot. Well, the first plot, let me suggest to you, should be showing kindness within the family, within the family. David gives us a perfect example of that in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Saul had been the king, and he had hated David and tried to kill David on several occasions, but Jonathan and, and David were good friends, and Jonathan was Saul's son. Well, it happened that uh, King Saul died, and David was put into power, and Jonathan died also in battle. And when, John, when David got to power, he said, is there anyone left in Saul's household? Well, the servants who heard him say that no doubt thought that David was going to do like all kings did. The previous dynasty, if it wasn't a relative, was going to be off with their heads. They were going to be annihilated. But David said, no, no, I, I want to find someone who is in Saul's family so I can do this. I want to show them kindness. So his servants said, Jonathan has a son, but he has a problem. He's crippled. He was crippled when he was five years old, when a nurse dropped him and he became lame on his feet. So David said, bring him here to me. Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. And so Mephibosheth became favored from David's kindness. He was part of Saul's family. I wonder, who do we need to show kindness to? The first person is our spouse. We need to show kindness to our husband or to our wife. We do that by doing something for them. Little things mean so much. Start with your words. Make sure you don't say anything to hurt their feelings. Don't say anything hurtful, demeaning, or unkind to them. Then speak words of love and affirmation throughout the day. And then do something nice. If there's uh, something that they want, uh, you know, that they have, and instead of letting them fix it, hey, can I go up there and, and fix you a dessert today, or can I get something for you? How about uh, considering uh, the hard work that they do and, and pitching in and helping them without being asked? That's the, that's the thing, without being asked. <laughs> you know, uh, is there something you can do for your spouse, but also parents in your family? 
When's the last time you called up your mom or your father and thanked them for something that they did for you and how they raised you and how much you appreciate them? It'll make their day. How about your children? Thanking them for what they've done and contributed or doing some kindness to some member of your family and maybe some distant relatives and friends. So this is the first garden plot. We need to make sure that we're kind in the garden plot of our family, showing kindness, speaking kindness to every opportunity we can. You never can overdo it. Second garden plot is displaying our kindness in a calloused world. How about that neighbor you've got? Is there a neighbor that you're having a feud with? Maybe their tree overhangs your property or, or something like that, or uh, their dog runs into your yard, you know, and what do you do? You know, shoot it with a BB gun? You know, that's not good neighborly things, you know. Uh, not uh, those type of things. I mean, that's the way the rest of the world lives. But you can be kind to your neighbors, and you never know what kindness will do. It'll, as the Bible says, it'll heap coals of conviction on someone's head. It will change their heart, how you respond to them. Not only your neighbors, but when you're out in public. How about the waitress? Waitress at the table, are you mean and surly? Do they look at, oh boy, here's this guy. I mean, he is just rude. He's always unhappy. The food's not right. And he always stiffs me when the tip comes. Is that you? <laughs> Do they see you coming? If you're a child of God, you need to be kind out in public. My wife and I were at the BMV. No, we weren't paying a ticket. <laughs> we were there to get our driver's license renewed. And you know, there's two lines. When you line up to get your little ticket, because they got to make sure you got all your stuff together. And then there's the line of waiting to get in there. Well, we were through the first line, sitting uh, in waiting for the person to come and take care of us. And we noticed that there was this guy about three people back in the line where you had to get your paper ticket. And he was raising a fit. He happened to be in a wheelchair or a motorized wheelchair, and he had a dog with him, you know, kind of a service dog. And he was really ranting. He says, I want my ticket now. I says, sir, you're in line here. And when, well, I know what I need to get. Just give me a ticket so I can wait in the other line. He was raising his voice so much so that he had to, they had to call security over and calm this guy down. And you know, everybody else was listening, you know, they were watching. This lady sitting next to us says, man, I feel sorry for that poor dog that has to listen to his rants all the time, you know, all the time like that. You never know, folks. You're out in public, they're listening to you and they're listening to me. They're listening to how we treat people. Oh, I have to confess, telemarketers really are tough for me. <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. I've never swore or anything like that, but I've been very short with them. No, thank you. Boom. <laughs> I know that they're a telemarketer, and I give them about two, two seconds. It's, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. I try to do it in the nicest Baptist preacher way that I could possibly do it. <laughs> in order that. But you know, people are listening to us at the words that come out of our mouth as we need to display kindness in this callous world. Because how in the world are they ever going to know about Jesus if they don't see it in us? We also need to give away kindness to our enemies, to our enemies. 
Oh, I tell you, this is the third plot of ground. Sometimes that's the toughest one to plant seeds of kindness in, isn't it? Sometimes when people really treat us wrong, we just want to treat them just like they treated us. But you know, the Bible says that we need to be different. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Showing kindness is not that, that easy because it doesn't come natural. It comes supernaturally. But after we pull the weeds that we need to get rid of in our life, and we start planting some acts of kindness in the plots that God has assigned to each of us in our life, our family, and the public that we're in, and even to our enemies, we need to maintain the garden of grace. Because if, if you have been raising any kind of crop at all, you know you can't just say, well, I plant it, I think I'm just going to let it grow <laughs> and let it go. No, you know what happens. I tell you, the bugs get in there and eat them, and the weeds start coming up, and, and the rabbits come in, and all the other things. You've got to maintain the garden, and that's the way with our spiritual lives as well. We just can't just do it once and think that it's going to stick that way. We need to continue to maintain, and one of the ways that we can maintain the garden of grace is to understand that the greatest demonstration of kindness is God Himself. You know, the book of Titus chapter 3 says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. You think of God, when He wanted to show kindness, He gave the greatest gift of all. We who did not deserve any kind of thing, it wasn't just like we're being paid for something that we have done. No, it was unmerited. It's not something we deserved. And God demonstrated the greatest kindness of all when He gave His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and died on the cross to pay for our sin. He gave His only Son the greatest gift, showing kindness to undeserving people. And that should be our example. Not only God, but Jesus, His Son, showed kindness. He went to the cross and he willingly stretched out his arms and he died to show kindness in giving us eternal life, forgiving us of our sins <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit. When cho choosing a place to live, he could have dwelt in the glories of heaven for all eternity, surrounding the throne and the majesty of high and all of the angels there. The Holy Spirit could have been there and continued to do that. But no, He chose to show kindness. He says, I'm going to come down to those sinners, those that have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and I think I'm going to live in their heart. He lives in us. What kindness that the Spirit has chosen to live in our life. We who have been shown the greatest kindness of all ought to show kindness to other people. Have you received that kindness? Have you received the greatness and the great kindness of God's gift of His Son and Jesus Christ dying on the cross and the Spirit living inside of you? 
My friend, that is the greatest motivator to continue, to continue to show kindness. Well, if God did this so much for me, I tell you, I can do this for you. I mean, that should always be our theme. What Christ did for me, I can show kindness. What he forgave me of, I can forgive you of. What he did for me, there's no way comparing what I'm trying to do for you. That should always be our measuring rod. And I tell you, that'll keep us on the track of maintaining our our um, kindness. Secondly, if we're going to maintain the garden of grace, we need to deal with the seeds of bitterness before they take root. I tell you, bitterness is something that'll grow, grow deep roots. I tell you, my wife and I, a few years ago, we had cut down all those Brazilian peppers uh, that were lining our property that we bought that lot, and uh, me and her decided that we're going to pull up the roots. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, that was hard. Those Brazilian peppers don't want to give up quickly. I took the chainsaw. We had a shovel, and uh, she outworked me <laughs> a lot. We finally pulled up those roots. And you know, I find the best way to pull up the roots is let the fire ants eat the things to death. And then they just rot all and just pull them up after that. We, we discovered that later. You know, oh, they're starting to corrode from the inside. I tell you, a bitterness is like that. It'll get deep into your soul, and you need to pull it out before it becomes deep-rooted. We, thirdly, we need to put our words through the kindness grid. Well, I tell you, if you have to bite your tongue till it bleeds, bite it, because some of the things that we said really can hurt other people. And then we need to be spontaneous in our kindness. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan was uh, in Luke chapter 10. It's a, it's a wonderful story. There was two other religious persons that walked by this guy, that, this Jew that was beat up and laying in the ditch, and they didn't want to get involved, and they just kept on by. But the Good Samaritan, now it indicates that this man was pretty wealthy because he had room for a hotel and he had room for, for, for food and housing and all this, and he probably had things to do. He was busy. He was just march. He, he was on the road, and he had things to do, but he was spontaneous and saw this man and says, I need, I need to do some, something for this guy. He's laying there. I don't know if he's dying or not. He went, and he picked him up and put him on his donkey, and he took him to an inn. He dressed his wounds as best he could. He paid for the day's lodging, and he spent the night, and he took time out of his schedule. Why? Why? Because it was a, a lesson for all of God's people that we need to be spontaneous with our kindness. Now, I don't think that God would want us to stop at every opportunity or every time, but there's times when God puts something into your way where you know, I'm, I'm the one. I need to show kindness to this person. I need to give my time to that person. I need to listen to their story without being in a hurry or looking around or watching my watch, I need to listen to them. I need to give them that little gift of money. I need to take them where they need to go. I need to show them some kind of kind, kindness, spontaneous kindness. On the road of life, God will give us that opportunity, and we need to help those persons. When my oldest daughter was attending preschool, Sunday school, about three years old. I remember we were living in Britt, Iowa at the time, and she 
the teacher was working hard to get these kids to memorize the memory verse of the week. And her memory verse not, was not all of verse 32, but it was just the first part. And be kind to one another. She was learning that memory verse. And that afternoon, uh, she came home and she was out on the sidewalk playing with our, her cat, Charlie, black cat named Charlie. Well, she tried to pick up that cat, just trying to three-year-old picking up a cat. You know, I don't know which end she picked up, but he didn't like the idea he was getting picked up very much. So he scratched Rebecca on the arm, and she started to, to do one of these little things, and she got her little finger and pointed that finger in that cat's nose and said, be ye kind one to another. That's the King James Version of Ephesians 4.30, be ye kind one to another. Well, I tell you, I don't know if Charlie got the message <laughs> or not, but you know, we do the same thing too. We scratch a lot of God's people with our words, with our actions, with our attitudes, and sometimes even with just our condescending look. And we need to learn to be kind towards one another. We need to create a kindness zones in our lives. This church needs to be a kindness zone where God's people are always in a mode of lifting up and encouraging and loving each other. We need to hang a sign that kindness spoken here. And we need to have that same sign hanging over us wherever we go, wherever we go out into this sinful, dark world, we need to have that kindness zone. Why? Because Jesus was kind. He was kind to a woman that was taken in adultery, a sinful woman, and the, he could have accused her, but he said, go and sin no more. He was kind to her. He was kind to those thoughtless disciples who were always messing up and not getting it right. He was patient and kind with them. And folks, he was even kind when he was dying on the cross. And those people that were crucifying were laughing at him and they were mocking him. And, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the model that you and I have as believers in Jesus Christ. There's too many cat fights. There's too many cruel words and just plain meanness in the world. And those who have tasted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ need to have a sign hung over our life, kindness spoken here. May that be the challenge for all of God's people. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm going to thank you for the challenge from your word. And Father, we have to confess sometimes, God, we do not get it right. Sometimes we're mean, sometimes we're cruel, sometimes we're unkind, and sometimes we end up scratching the ones we love the most. God, forgive us. Thank you for forgiving us of our sin. Thank you for sending your son in kindness to us and allowing him to die on the cross to pay for our lost condition. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to be transformed into the image of Jesus. Help us to have a place in our church, in our life, where kindness is spoken here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
thank you so much for the greatest act of kindness this world has ever seen. Sending your son to die for sinners like us, we thank you for that. And now as we go out of these doors, may we be ambassadors for Christ, kindness ambassadors wherever we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.